upgrades. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Raise, raise. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Granny's Graves. God damn it, I hate you, Granny! Grades are back. I'm excited for these grades. Your first topic to grade. The crowd at Mandalay Bay for UNLV in Seattle. F, fail, C, incomplete. F. Fail. C. Incomplete. F for the number, obviously, if you can only get 300 people, according to Mike Romal, who counted them. 637 and 637. You were there to witness this. But you can help me with this. Did you get counted as attended? Yes. You can help (laughs) me with this next grade. The reason I went C incomplete is I was not there. I did not watch it. So did those 300 people really get into it and became a good crowd for what they could do? So I I don't know. I mean, were they really loud and did they cheer a lot? I mean, the, the, the numbers stunk. But for the people who actually showed up and, you know, bought the tickets and, and went, were they good? I mean, the one guy was yelling at Seattle's coach during the game. That was kind of fun. Um, and you could hear every word that they were saying to each other because, you know. There's were... 300 people there. Right. Um, so, yeah. that uh, No, I would not call it any sort of anything of a good environment. Right. Um, but I just all I really wanted was I wanted there to be like a bad call. And the ref to be heard ver- verbally going back at the play-by-play. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm going to give an A plus. A plus to the 637 people that showed okay. up. Well announced. Good job. I'm proud right. of you, people. <laughs> you guys didn't, you know, complain about. Oh, tickets are too expensive. Oh, I got to go to Mandalay Bay. All the like. Good job. Like, as much as we've railed on UNLV's attendance and, and why it's so bad, 637 people cared enough to go to that game, and good job. A-plus for those people. A-plus. I can be optimistic, Darren. Calm down over there. Second topic for you, UNLV ticket prices. C. C. Because while I while you said $29 isn't a lot, I still think uh, that they can do better. I still think they can come down lower. So I won't give it a complete fail or pass. I'll just kind of keep it in the middle and say they could do better. Desperate times, man. Desperate measures. Desperate times, desperate measures. The so measures would be lower them even more. Their next uh, game at Thomas and Mac. Again, you can pay $29 and go to the game on Saturday at Mandalay, at Mandalay Bay. Bay. $29 bucks will get you in, and you'll be sitting in the lower section. You'll be behind a basket, but you'll be sitting in the lower section. And pro tip, you can probably move to a different seat. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh, no, no, no. I, I got, I want the ushers, the ushers to be like, like no. get back there. <laughs> um, $29. So that's after fees, too. That is the full ticket price. You're not paying $29 plus another $20 in fees. It's $29. It's the Golden Knights, you, 15 plus fees. Gets you the ticket. Um, the next home game, though, at Thomas and Mac. You can get in the door as cheap as $16 if you buy it from UNLV. You can sit in the lower bowl for as cheap as $33. Okay. Then I would give that an A. If you can get him for sixteen, a. I don't it. think any of it's too expensive. I think sure if you like the the prices to sit in like what would be considered a good seat, sure maybe those are too expensive, but whatever. The price to get in the door, I don't think is too expensive for this game at Mandalay Bay. 
but I don't, and I don't think it's too expensive to get into at Thomas and Mac. I just, I don't think it is. And I think everybody that's sort of complaining about ticket prices being too high, they just sixteen don't dollars go. to sixteen. They just don't want to like, go. If you're not paying sixteen bucks, you're not like you're not showing up for five dollar right. tickets either. So it's it's again, it goes back to the same conversation we had at seven a.m. It's not about ticket prices. It's not about marketing. It's not about a vaccine mandate. It's about none of that. The team's not good enough, and it hasn't been good enough for eight years. And it's been long process of wearing out UNLV fans to the point of why do we keep showing up to watch a team that's not playing in meaningful games? Who cares if you're playing Hartford? It's irrelevant. I will say that this, uh, and we're going to talk to Coach Kruger tomorrow. Uh, I will say that this family package thing that they're doing seems kind of neat, where it's four tickets for fifteen dollars, and you get total. Like, yeah, well, no, for it's fifteen, 15 each, each okay. so it's sixty bucks, but you get like, uh, food. like food and soda and popcorn. That's that's not a bad like little like. All right, bring the kids. Still doesn't work. Like you're not showing up because oh, we can get my kid a hot dog. Comparatively, though, I mean, it's, it's I don't know. It's I, fine. I, it's a fine ticket. As a, as a former, as a former 11-year-old, <laughs> I don't think you understand the stuff that I would do for a hot dog. It's a good package. All right. Next topic. <laughs> Mike Nuga. Uh, obviously, just read all your tweets and Mike's tweets and everyone's tweets and Sam and saw his numbers. So I guess this was the Mike Nuga they wanted and expected all along. So I got to go A. A. 21 points, eight assists. Coming into last night, he had five assists on the entire season. Uh, he hit five three-pointers last night, five of eight from three. Coming into that game, he had hit seven of 25 for the entirety of the season. Mike Nuga was very good last night, and Mike Nuga was very good, A, at shooting, which was expected. He was a good shooter at Kent State, and very good at distributing, getting into the paint, kicking out, very good in fast break and finding the open guy to get an easy basket that's the type of performance they need so that we stop having conversations about Bryce Hamilton being the only guy that shoots. Mike Nuga is supposed to be that number two guy, supposed to be. And last night he was. Well, last night he might have been the number one guy, but last night he was, and that's what they need. What I thought was interesting, they lose to San Francisco. We had Mike Romalo sort of report on, they were there was yelling coming from the right. locker room and everything. Apparently a lot of that was Mike Nuga. <laughs> Apparently, he was one of the main people that was yelling and screaming. After the game, uh, Mike Nuga got asked you know, about that and about playing better, and Mike Nuga said that he made some changes to his own like personal habits after the San Francisco game. Didn't elaborate on what those were, but made some changes to his own habits, right? And then Kevin Kruger afterwards, he said that you know when Mike Nuga went off in the locker room, that that was something they liked to see because Mike Nuga was, as Kevin Kruger said... He was angry at himself for not playing better. He was angry at himself for not being a better basketball player for his team, right? So if that's what it took, if Mike Nuga basically realized, hey, nine games in, I suck. I need to be better. And he yelled at himself and then changed whatever habits he changed. Maybe there's reason to think Mike Nuga is going to be really good the rest what, of the season. I mean... I hear habits and don't think of on the court. Right. Uh, again, know what that he didn't means. elaborate on it. Um, so, yes, I don't know what that means uh, either. I mean, I got some habits. <laughs> and it's not on the court. Like, <laughs> is it just he was going to in and out every day? And, yeah, I mean, and now he's, he's not. eating better? I, I don't know. Don't know. Does don't Kevin Kruger have that comment if Seattle wins 66-56? Not at all. No. 
Uh, if they don't win that game, Kevin Kruger probably doesn't even want to talk I don't, well, about. Well, he doesn't even elaborate on what happened. Right. The the end of that game against San Francisco. No. So, yeah, I would say not at all would be the answer there. Uh, next topic to grade. Pete DeBoer pulling Robin hmm. Leonard. I know which way you're going with this. I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to go C. C. Uh, Millsy brought me over to a little bit about how pros can feel bad and get their fire going because they screwed up and they didn't help the guy. But I'm still going to say that has to be a pretty deep fire because at the end of the day, they all know they're playing. And and by the way, uh, they were pretty dominant five on five, So especially after the first period. So, I mean, that was all because they had a new goalie? Yeah. I don't know if I buy into that. I think they were just better. Yeah, that's why it gets I mean, an F. They were already the better F. team. Yeah, they were. They were. They were down one zero and had been out shooting them like two or three to one. Yeah, they were already the better team. They just gave up some goals yeah. on the power, on the power play. play, and that's why they were down three nothing. And none of them were particularly Robin Leonard's fault, but Robin Leonard had to pay the price for it. So yeah, it's an F because I think that is a. I think that idea of, hey, we're going to pull the goalie because everybody else is playing poorly is dumb. I I think that's a dumb thing. Now, again, Pete DeBoer said last night, that's not something I normally do. So I don't think we're going to see that very much more in the future. Well, actually, they probably will because it worked. They came back and won. But they did not come back and win because Robin Leonard wasn't a net. They came back and won because Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, and Chandler Stevenson we're the best line. You're down 1-0 on to Philly? Get the heck out of here. <laughs> All right, next topic. The Golden Knights' Hispanic heritage jerseys that they wore during warm-up. See, you always put me on this because I'm not a jersey guy. But I'm looking at them. You know what? I'm going to give them an A. A. I like them. I like them. I think they'll do well on the resale, which I think these are available. Don't these things become available? According to people after? on Twitter, they were not. Oh, they were not. Everybody Whoa. was mad they weren't for sale now, or something. That surprises me. I think they if I assume I'd assume they auctioned off the player the ones the players wore, but people wanted to just buy yeah, like just buy them. Just buy like a nor- like not necessarily a game war or a practice worn one. They just wanted to buy this jersey. So the Hispanic Heritage jersey, last night was Hispanic Heritage Night. Purple, right? Golden Knights logo is a sugar skull. If you don't mm-hmm. know what that is, it's like a bunch of floral patterns that is what they took over the logo. Instead of it being the gold floral uh, pattern, it's a sugar skull. And that continued into the player numbers. And also, the Golden Knights secondary logo, the swords that cross into the little star, they also made that a floral pattern that was blue and red and gold. This is the best jersey the Golden Knights have ever worn. They didn't wear it in an actual game, so I guess it doesn't technically count as a jersey. But this is the best thing they've I, ever worn. I like that they moved it over also into the number. Yes. I think the that numbers was cool. look very cool. I think cool. the numbers look cool. A plus, greatest jersey they've ever worn. A I don't care that plus. purple's not a color. They need to start wearing these on a regular basis. <laughs> well, that's my question. Why do they always they their warm-ups? I'm, I'm not saying I like dislike I think their their regular jerseys are fine. Their regular sweaters are fine, but they every time they make a special warm-up one, it's like that's so cool. Why don't you keep those in the rotation? Yeah. Don't let, don't have jerseys, but if I did, I would have gone with one of the St. Patrick's Day ones, the green one. I thought that was actually really cool. I liked the Chinese Heritage one. Yeah, that one was good. Like, I just don't get it. All right, next topic to grade. Thanks to Ryan McKennell for tweeting this out. Uh, would you eat popcorn and nacho cheese? I don't think I would. I, I My go-to at movies, when I used to go to movies, pre-pandemic, 
uh, was popcorn, and I would take a box of Milk Duds and put it in the popcorn, like put it in with the Diet Coke. But I think popcorn and Milk Duds are unbelievable. I don't know if I would do the cheese. I mean, yeah. That's I mean, a would fairly I try, popular one. I mean, it would is? I try it? Oh, yeah, Milk Duds and popcorn. We got to mix the Milk Duds extra butter with the popcorn and the Diet Soda. It's awesome. It's awesome. But I, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't try this. I don't know, given how I taste since I don't think I would like it, but I would try it. So, uh, Brian McKinnell tweeted out. Give it a B. Woman at the Golden Knights game. <laughs> I don't know. B. Eating popcorn, and in the popcorn container is a little cup of nacho cheese. She's also eating it with a fork. Okay. Nope. You lost uh, me. The, which is yeah. very interesting. But I will D. say, if you're dipping it in cheese, <laughs> D. you don't want to have messy hands at a hockey right. game. So, yeah, use the fork. I can I can get into that a little bit. Um Nacho cheese, like concession stand nacho cheese, is disgusting, dude. I don't. I think I would eat pop cheesy popcorn. That actually sounds relatively good. Not nacho cheese popcorn. That sounds disgusting. I cringed back in the softball days. I cringed as I said, "Have a nice lunch. Here's your nacho and cheese," Ugh. because we were the Costco. Yes. You know, oh, runs, yes. I remember this. The huge cans of it. <laughs> I mean, I, Sam and Ash, please, uh, you know, you must represent me in the future. But I'm just saying, <laughs> when they said nachos, it's not like I said, are you serious? But I, I thought it. But, uh, yeah, people seem to like it. People do like it. I will give I will give the nacho cheese that. They do like it. All right. Last topic for Grainy's grades. Bill Foley and Kelly McCrimmon. Maskless. Alan Snell tweeted out a picture. Did and you this see is, that picture? This is one of the best Classic tweets I've ever pictures. seen. Alan Snell tweets out a picture. Our maskless fans of the game are these two fellas, and it's Bill Foley and Kelly McCrimmon sitting without masks in T-Mobile Arena. Phenomenal tweet by Alan Snell. That is unbelievable. They get an F. They absolutely get an F. And this goes back to my entire question about why did the Golden Knights not follow the lead of the Raiders and put in a vaccine mandate? They don't want to. They clearly don't want to wear a mask at the Golden no. Knights games. They're not wearing one. There's like three people in the background of their suite. They're not wearing masks either. They're breaking their own protocols. But guess what? If they put in a vaccine mandate, that doesn't exist. You put no. in a vaccine mandate, they wouldn't have to no. wear a mask at game. But instead, they're walking around breaking their own rules. Most of the people in the press box of the Raiders, because all vaccinated, because you have to be, don't have their masks on. Right. You're vaccinated. Yeah. It's vaccine mandate. So. Do you think Steve Sisolak calls up Bill Foley today and says, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, if he follows on Snell, which we all do, we all follow <laughs> Alan. He does a great job and, and tweets out some great photos. Uh, can you imagine that if Sisolak saw that? Uh, hey, Billy. Right. I know you're the owner. Because we, we talked to Sisolak after the Raiders implemented their vaccine mandate. And part of when he talked to us, he was like, yeah, it's hard to enforce it. It's hard to... It, it's, it's not impossible. hard to enforce in a suite. There's only but, about four people in there. But that's one thing when you're talking about random fans at a game, when it's the owner and the general manager just sitting in a suite, not abiding by their own rules. Do you want to see how quickly would the usher be fired who comes over and says you need to put your mask on? <laughs> I want to see that person. I would give that person a raise. They would fire him like within two seconds or her, whoever the usher is. This picture's from pretty far away, but I don't even see like a mask in the picture. Yeah, like, no, it's this, not. That's this not, isn't even right. like oh, it's They're around not their having chin. their mask. Oh, you've been them. I was gonna say there's a guy in the other booth. Yeah, <laughs> there's somebody of... next to them in a booth that does have a mask on, but it's not like it's around their chin or in their no, hand. There's no, there's no. There's no. Well, they're eating. They're obviously eating. Obviously, yeah. The entire. 
entire game eating, <laughs> eating away. Just like when you get on an airplane and you eat one pretzel yes. every 40 minutes. But to you keep make the mask sure, off. Or yeah, to, to make, make sure, sure you can get your bread on. I got the pretzels. Exactly. I can't wear the mask. <laughs> All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I never realized baseball had so much butt touching. Bischoff's Briefs. That's how they communicate. Bischoff's Briefs. It's like Braille, but with butts. Bischoff's Briefs. Read my butt! All right, I'm changing the briefs today. We're talking about UNLV basketball. Really? Already? Yeah, so here's two things for you. First off. UNLV right now, Ken Palm ranking 137th, one spot below them and 138th, Missouri. Oh, Desiree Reed Francois downgraded to Missouri basketball. <laughs> They've actually played uh, some similar opponents. Uh, Missouri lost to Wichita State by 14. Not great. Missouri did beat SMU in overtime, though, by five. So they've played some similar opponents there, but yeah. Desiree Missouri took out SMU? They did in overtime. Got them. It was a neutral site game, though, not at SMU. You know, we had to go into the vaunted yeah. Moody Center. Is that what it was yeah. called? And lost that one. Um, one fun stat for you. UNLV is now shooting above 30% from three on the season. 30.7% on the year after last night because they hit 11 of 27 threes last night. They shot 41% from three. And here's here's what I found interesting about Seattle's game plan against UNLV. They let them shoot? They did not care <laughs> about UNLV's shooting. Oh, they had read the numbers. Right. <laughs> they came into that saying, this team is shooting 28% from three. All right. We are going to let them shoot. Uh, but it was one of the most drastic, I think, game plans I've seen as far as the team simply not caring. Because what happened a lot last night is that, you know, Bryce Hamilton probably drove the most. Mike Nuka did a lot, too. But when anybody would drive into the paint, all five defenders would be collapsing into the paint. And I'm not exaggerating when I say all five. Every single defender was running to the paint to help take away layups to the point where, like, UNLV's best shooters are probably going to end up being like Justin Webster, Mike Nuga, and Josh Baker, right? Those are the three guys that have a good track record. Defenders would leave them and not just leave them. They would turn their backs. <laughs> like they, like I, you, when it's you have disrespectful, yes, it is. <laughs> when you have like good help side defense, you still know where your man right. is, right? They turn their backs to guys on the three point line. And it wasn't like, Oh, it's Royce ham out there. Who's, you know, might shoot it. But like, no, it was like UNLV's best shooters. They turned their backs to because they were they were they were worried about one thing. They did not want Bryce Hamilton or anybody else to drive to the rim and get layups. They wanted it was like they were going to force UNLV to kick it out. And UNLV made 11 of 27 threes last night. And that's I think that's a big deal going into the future because UNLV's going to have to prove they can shoot because other teams they probably won't be as drastic as Seattle, but other teams will defend UNLV in a similar manner. They will overload Until the they start making shots with help. Right. And so, you know, he's going to have to knock down threes. They're going to have to have guys like Mike Nuga have a big night. They're going to have to, especially when just left completely unguarded like they were last night. They're going to have to do that because when you play teams that are better than Seattle, right? If any of the top half of the Mountain West 
once the, if those teams decide we're going to load up in the paint against Bryce Hamilton, you're not getting layups against that team. Bryce right. Hamilton was still able to get some shots at the rim against right. Seattle, even though they were trying to take that away because it's Seattle. But if San Diego State says, you know what, we're loading up three guys in the paint if somebody starts driving to the rim, the, your only shot's going to be a kickout three. You're going to have to hit those to basically make the defense play honest. The other thing UNLV did really well last night, though, they didn't simply shoot every time they caught it open mm-hmm. on the perimeter. Ball would get kicked out, and all of a sudden, the defender's now running straight out at Mike Nuger, whoever is standing on the three-point line, instead of just always shooting it, which honestly wouldn't have been a bad situation because you're wide open. They often drove right back into the paint. Past the guy. The guy that was running at them, and now that guy's out of the play. So they did a really good job of reading the closeouts from mm-hmm. defenders and being like, okay, I'm open to shoot the three, or wow, that guy's going to be out of position if I take one dribble this way, and now... Maybe I get a layup or maybe they collapse on me and I kick it out to somebody else. Like it was fairly simple, but it was a very good offensive night in that regard. The big question is, you know, that was against Seattle. Does that really translate into the future? We'll see. They're going to play two bad teams in a row here in um, Hartford and Omaha. Both are terrible, worse than Seattle. So, you know, we should blow them out regardless of what defensive schemes they get thrown at them. Uh, San Diego's decent. And then they play San Diego state to open up Mount West play on January 1st. That'll be when we kind of look around and say, all right, where are, where is UNLV? How are they offensively? Have they actually improved from the nightmare that was the opening of the season? One other thing in briefs, Victor Ewalker played five minutes and 18 seconds last night. UNLV outscored Seattle 14 to nothing while he was on the floor for five minutes and 18 seconds, but he might've re-injured his shoulder. He did not play in the second half. Kevin Kruger said it was precautionary, said that they just they sat him down as a precaution, not because he couldn't have gone back in the game, but this is a guy well, who hadn't played the entire season because of a shoulder injury, plays five minutes, and then doesn't play the second half. Well, let me tell you something. If it was precautionary, the kid said something happened. Probably. Because precautionary means, hey, we heard something, or he came over and said you know, he tweaked something, because if not, you would keep playing him. Yeah. So... Is Victor Ewalker going to play on Saturday? I don't, I don't know, know if I, if they're as bad as the next week. Well, although he hasn't played all year, so you do want to get him some right. run. You don't want him, hey, Victor, we'll see at San Diego State on January 1st. <laughs> I mean, that probably wouldn't be good. So, or here against San Diego State. So, yeah, I mean, they might be the, the best games to play him in. Right. To just be like, hey, uh, go play for 20 minutes. Right. Make sure you can still breathe. I, right. I think he's in shape. It's not like he's been doing nothing or whatever. But, you know, make sure you can play 20-plus minutes without being completely out of breath. Don't and get a collapsed lung. Right. Oh, Don't do that. Are we doing that show again where we wonder <laughs> aloud for five minutes? What is a collapsed, what is a collapsed lung? lung? How do you fix that? <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. So Victor Yucker, and by the way, I thought he was great in his five minutes. Defensively, UNLV was really good. His first possession, he forced a turnover. Like he was very good. I think there's clearly some upside there that if he's healthy, he's going to help this team quite a bit. Coming up next, J.R. Starkis. Responsibly. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkus. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. Yeah, here is uh, our guy at J.R. Starkus on Twitter. J.R. makes drinks on uh, Instagram. What's on tap? Brought to you by Liquor World, Supreme Ecosologist, Southern Glaciers Wine Spirits, Nevada. But this res- resume gets longer each week. You have to say <laughs> your name. My God, how many, how many jobs do you have? Uh, are you... You said in the past when Tyler was talking about fake horses, you were going to get into it. 
Darren Millard and I now have agreed to buy a chicken. Uh, it will be a limited budget. So did you ever get involved in this, or are you still thinking about it? No, I didn't get involved because, frankly, I'm too lazy to try and figure out how to get involved. I just basically need Tyler to say, hey, man, you know, Darren and Ed are getting in. It's going to cost X amount each, you in or not. And then I would be like, all right, cool, or not, nah, forget it. But oh, I, bring you into the group. I'm, I'm, all right. We can buy a, we can buy a yeah. more expensive chicken this way with as much as you make. Yeah, I got goodness. I'll throw five in if we want to make it four. <laughs> Tyler's maybe, got partners. Maybe we can be like those uh, those like five college buddies that were like owned a horse in the Kentucky Derby, and the next thing you know, like we're 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 making it big, you know, and just because of a random like, hey, what are we gonna do? On, just because we haven't seen each other in a while, let's buy a horse. Did you, you know? guys Did you guys see the story? I think it's like six or seven kids in England. They're they're like eighteen or nineteen, like just graduated high school. Bought a soccer team. They uh, bought a what? professional soccer team. Now it's like ninth division but professional soccer team. But they bought a professional soccer team, and they're like they're like in the um, the FA Cup, which is like the big English tournament or whatever. I think they got hammered, but like they they they're like nineteen. They're like, yeah, let's buy a soccer team together. I love stuff like that. That's right. awesome, man. That's like entrepreneur. I know. I love that too. That's would what you rather have that if horses. you could give up all chickens and horses? I think so. Okay. Yeah, a real soccer team. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. think so. Absolutely. <laughs> well, hold on. They might have fake ones coming, and you that's might be true. Buying, you That's true. That's a good buying, idea. You might be buying a fake one. That's a good idea. But no, I <laughs> like, yes, I think I'd I'd love to own a ninth division soccer team <laughs> in some random city in England. But in all in all reality, like if you're a professional now, if you're a professional soccer player. And now, granted, most professional soccer players are probably 18 and 19 and 20 years old anyhow. But if you're a professional soccer player and you're like, yeah, our ownership is, wait, they're younger than me or they're my age? <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> I you know. Like, I don't know. I don't know how that resonates. But I guess if you're signing your paycheck and, it's still, and, it bounce, and it clears, like, you're good. So based on the story that I read on this, the previous owner, like, it was, like, dead. Like, the team was, like, absolutely nothing. And like these like eight kids or whatever bought it and they're like really excited about it. And they're like, we're going to actually let's try to make this thing work. So I have to imagine the players are like, wow, these kids care a lot more than whoever the hell was owning it before. So it might actually be better. Yeah, they might be younger, but it might actually be a lot better. It's like their version of the Savannah Savannah Bananas. Right. Exactly. Yes. Now, I do have an important question for you, Jr. How long would it take you to make a cocktail for 637 people? Okay, so he, I can answer that for you, but um, it, it depends on the parameters I'm given to, but it would probably take me, for 637 people, if it's one cocktail, it would probably take me properly staff 30 minutes. Wow. I would wow. The whole thing, I would, I'd batch the whole thing out, you know what I mean? Whoa. So I, I would know, like, if it's a margarita, I would know for 637 people, I would have the math done, and I would know exactly how many bottles of this I would need, how much lime juice I would need, how much simple syrup I would need, and it would probably just be a matter of me putting the ingredients together. Now, if I'm if I'm having if I'm juicing the limes right then, it would probably be a little bit longer, maybe like an hour, or hour and a half, because I got to have fresh lime juice. So, other than ordering fresh juice, you know, because you can you can kind of sometimes when you're doing big bulk projects, you can order like pasteurized juice. Um, that's not the greatest option. It gets the job done, but I would do it fresh because, you know, next level stuff. I got to make it good. So J.R. Starkis could have uh, served the entirety of the crowd at the UNLV yes. game last yes. night in 30 minutes. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, uh-huh. the drink would be batched, just pour it out. Like, have a yeah, no problem. Like, make a lot, give me a line, and uh, we'll we'll just keep keep the spigot on, and we'll just keep pouring <laughs> drinks, and we'll go. It'd be great. Well, make all it. right. So press box transition. 
you've got here, and this might be the cocktail you make for 637 people. It's a beautiful-looking cocktail. I like it because I think there's mint on top, or I don't know if that's parsley yep. or mint. What is that? Yeah, no, it's mint. It's, right. not, it's definitely not parsley. Yeah. Uh, what <laughs> drinks are you having, Ed? This does yeah. not go yeah, into yeah. the Diet Pepsi with no sugar. That's correct. No, this is – so actually, I was inspired this weekend. Um, I was at a friend's house uh, for Christmas, for a Christmas party, and uh, she – when we got there, she was put, trying to put together the drink, and I said, what are you doing? She's like, I'm trying to put together this drink, and I said, all right, well, she's like, but now it's your job, of course, you know, and, and so <laughs> um, she handed me her ingredients, and she, I said, well, what, what's your goal here? She's like, well, I have this rum, and I'm trying to do this, and I said, what, what, what do we have? I said, and she basically handed me all the ingredients, and I said, all right, forget your recipe or whatever you think you have. I'm just going to make something. And she's like, fine. I just need to make it. I needed to make it look pretty. I said, okay, no problem. So, uh, so she had, (laughs) yep. So, so she had, you know, uh, sadly she had a a mediocre bottle of rum, but that's what we had to deal with. Uh, she had (laughs) the, she, I mean, it was really depressing. It was, she had, uh, the quote-unquote real lime juice that comes in a bottle that you find in the grocery store that sits on the shelf. That's very disappointing. She didn't have, because uh, all of the fresh lime she had uh, were cut up for the actual food. So that was um, not optional. So I had to use that stuff. And then she had some simple syrup, and she had some soda. She had San Pellegrino um, blood orange soda, and she had some, like, cranberry juice. So uh, and, and then she had some mint that was there. So we made a uh, blood orange and cranberry mojito based on the ingredients she had. And it came out, obviously you saw the pictures because I reposted it this morning. It came out beautiful. It actually, it tasted quite, quite, quite good. I was actually pleasantly surprised with the final result based on what I was working with. Um, And so, you know, I thought, okay, well, that's what I'm going to make for the guys this week because it's, you know, it's perfect kind of holiday themed drink. It's not difficult to make of obviously all the ingredients you can find at the grocery store. So uh, to make this drink, you're going to need some mint. Um, Just take about, you know, eight to 10 or 12 pieces of mint and muddle them gently in the bottom of a, of a glass that's big enough to hold probably, you know, 12 to 14 ounces. Uh, Just gently muddle. You're just trying to extract, extract the oils of the mint. That's it. Nothing. You don't need to like work on it. And I've told, I said this before, you're not trying to make a pesto, right? You're just getting the oils out. Then uh, in a mixing tin, you're going to want to mix together the fre- three quarter ounce of fresh lime juice, three quarter ounces of simple syrup, and one and a half ounces of white rum. I'm using Don Q Cristal rum. I like Don Q Cristal. It's from Puerto Rico. <laughs> it is a very affordable rum. Um, and it really makes great beverages because it's it's kind of what most people who like mojitos or rum and cokes or something like that would really enjoy. It doesn't have uh, a tremendous amount of other flavors that are like, you know, come in the really geeky kind of rums that some bartenders like. So down to Cristal, ounce and a half. Shake those ingredients together with ice. Then once you're done shaking, add cranberry juice. Could be cranberry, could be pomegranate if you have that. Could be cran apple, whatever. Ounce and a half. And then an ounce and a half of the uh, San Pellegrino blood orange soda. You have all the ingredients. You're going to strain it over fresh ice that is um, in the glass that you just muddled that mint in. And then you're going to just garnish it with a lime wheel. You're going to garnish it with a piece of mint. And then she had some frozen cranberries, so I garnished it with frozen cranberries Mm. uh, to complement the cranberry juice. And, you know, obviously 
um, you know, kind of plays off the holiday theme of that, that cranberries at this time of year. So I garnished it with some frozen cranberries and voila, there you had it. She had enough. So I actually, that's, that's how you would make one drink. She had enough. So I did the math and, and, and batched it out so I could use her entire bottle of rum. And so I made one big batch of it. So the people that were there had a batch cocktail. So all they had to do was walk over with their uh, glass full of ice and pour it over ice and it was ready to go. Do you have 637 people there? Uh, six. Six, six people uh, there. Uh, yeah, six. Six adults. I don't know. Maybe the kids got into it, too. I don't know. But there were six adults that were drinking it. Uh, did not last long, I'll tell you that much. And then we had to move on to Sangria after that, which will be my drink next week. Oh, excited. Ah, All right. Nice. I, JR, I almost really badly want to, like, just invite you over to my house and try to find the most disappointing ingredients to make you make me a drink with. <laughs> Like that sounds like you know actually taco shells. It, All right, no, no, it reminds me. So there's a there's a, a guy on TikTok whose dad is apparently a gourmet chef, and he will show up and be like, "Dad, I got Taco Bell. Make it fancy." <laughs> and his dad oh, nice. will like. Now, granted, his dad will like add in 17 more ingredients, and then it's like, "Yes, I use the little crumbs of the cinnamon twist to make your dessert." But that's kind of what it sounds like. It's like here's a bunch of crap, Jr. Make me something delicious. Uh, it, it has happened before where. You know, I, you know, people have actually tweeted at me before and said, you know, a picture. Here's what I'm working with. What can we make from this? Uh, you know, I've had that before. Pretty and, sure that was know, me. Been... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and so I, I have done that. And that's kind of a fun. It's a fun. It's a fun challenge to be able to do stuff like that because you know, you, if you, if you're trying to make a, a beverage for somebody, at least in that instance, like you have to be open to what can be created, right? You can't show me. A picture of a whole bunch of garbage and be like, and I only drink uh, uh, Macallan 12 year. You know, you're like, well, okay. You know, like, I don't know that I'll be able to do anything to please you. I could make you a great cocktail. Now, it may not be your wheelhouse because this is what you're dealing with, right? So you have to kind of be open minded. Like, if you, if I'm down for the challenge, if, uh, if somebody has a, um, a smorgasbord of, of garbage in their, in their pantry, I've done it before. I walked through the pantry when I was doing the drinks for the Raiders last year, Ed, when we did those. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what, I, I I was trying to think of all these different drinks, so I would literally just stare at my pantry and be like, okay, this is what everybody would have, right? These are the things that everybody would have. So I started pulling things out, and I'm like, okay, I can make a drink with this, can make a drink with this, can make it, can tweak this, can tweak that. And that's how I that's how I do a lot of the drinks for the radio, because I want to make sure that there's something that everybody can get their hands on. Um, although I have access at Southern to, uh, you know, enormous portfolios of things, um, I, I don't keep all that stuff in my house. I keep the same stuff that the rest of the, you know, uh, you and I and everybody else keep, keeps at their house. So I just stare at my pantry. I pull things out, um, and, and I go from there. He's the best. I, I mean, I don't know how you do it. Yeah, there's nobody like you. We can just have Jared start. You have, par- you have parsley and mint in the same drunk. Yeah, at- parsley. <laughs> Jesus Christ, in the same drunk. Um, speaking of drunk, but yeah, let the, we can start doing that as soon as as soon as we can get Jr. back in the studio. I'll just start bringing in crap. There you go, like, Jr. Good like, luck. Here, here you go, Jr. Good luck. Yeah, but you know back, back, that would back be great. In the day, there was a there was a um, uh, bartender's battle that they used to do out of all the food trucks. And uh, I, I had entered it, and I won it several times before I retired from it. Um, but it was fun because you could bring you could bring one tool, uh, one bartender tool, and then you could bring like an ingredient, and then everything else you had to use what they had there, and you were based on the drink that you could make with what was there, 
and the one tool, the bartender tool that you brought. Otherwise, you had to be kind of creative around it. Um, there was a car- bartender event that I did uh, years ago called uh, the Iron Mixologist, and it was at Caesar's Palace. And it's the same thing, right? You bring some ingredients, and you know that you have to make a long drink, you have to make a dessert drink, and you have to make a, a like a kind of a more of a, a, a cocktail, a bartender's cocktail, right? Um, or a paratif, a long drink, and and a dessert drink. That's what you have to do. And then when you get there, you have all these ingredients that you've brought, but you have no idea what the secret ingredients are, which you have to use in, in, in the drink. So when I opened it up, it was like uh, a, a whole apple pie. There was uh, like a clove of garlic and um, something else. There were like jalapeno peppers, and you have to make drinks from that and based on the ingredients you brought. So you better be creative. Well, and you got 30 minutes to do it. There's no one as creative as you. Press box transition. It's J.R. Starkus. Follow him on Twitter at J.R. Starkus. You'll make this drink, I'm sure, on Instagram at J.R. Makes Drink, Southern Glazers Wine Spirits, Nevada. Here with us every Thursday, What's on Tap, Liquor World. Thank you, buddy. You bet, guys. Talk to you next week. Take care. Phenomenal. All right, here we go. The Press Box Holiday Hookup. We got a four-pack of tickets to Disney on Ice. It's coming to Thomas and Mac January 6th through the 9th, and we've got four tickets for you, plus... You'll be in it to win a 55-inch 4K smart TV that we'll be giving out just in time for the holiday. 702-364-1100 is the phone number for taking caller number 11. At 702-364-1100, you'll get four tickets to Disney on Ice, plus have a chance to win a 55-inch 4K smart TV. Did you? Min- a lot of times in, in you know situations like this, the trash talk is only able to be used if... Uh, you know, if you're getting after that uh, individual that uh, that was trash talking. So, in order to trash talk, you have to have a lot of confidence in uh, what you accomplished and uh, what you're going to accomplish in the future. At some point, what I said will be used against me. That's just part of it. But I have no, uh, you know, no regrets for saying what I said. And and uh, obviously, I think the the record kind of speaks for itself. You're locked in the press box. Aaron Rodgers plays the Bears once again. He was referencing uh, yelling at the crowd the last time they played the Bears, uh, saying that I own you to the Chicago Bears fans after scoring a rushing touchdown. Um, He is right. The record does sort of speak for itself. I don't think there's much argument, uh, even if you're a Bears fan, whether or not Aaron Rodgers actually owns you or not. Uh, Did he say that on the Pat McAfee show? He may have. I Sometimes I just pull, if it says Aaron Rodgers, I just grab it because sometimes he goes and talks to Joe Rogan. Sometimes he puts his toe on TV. Uh, Pat McAfee signed a deal with FanDuel that's going to pay them $30 million a year for the next four years. $30 million a year for the next four years for the Pat McAfee show. Um, I want you to take a guess, and I will tell you, it's probably higher than you think. Career at, earnings at of, what we're signing with them? No, thirty, thirty dollars. <laughs> we'll take it. Career Can earnings. Can even operate in Nevada? <laughs> career earnings of Pat McAfee as a punter in the NFL. You think it'll be higher than I? think? I think it's higher. It's higher than I expected. Can you tell me how many years he punted? Uh, from 2009 to 2016, eight seasons in the NFL. Fourteen million. Eighteen million. Fifteen million dollars. Okay. He got paid. I wasn't, I wasn't far off. He got paid uh five hundred thousand dollars or less his first three years in the league. Uh got one point three his fourth year in the league, and then 
high paid punter. He started being AJ Cole. Two point nine, three point seven, three point seven, two point seven were his last five years in the NFL. Three point seven is pretty good. So he started racking up there. But fifteen million is what he got paid over eight NFL seasons as a punter. And now, now he's not the only one on the podcast. No, Presumably but. he's gonna pay the people that help him. <laughs> but but thirty million dollars per year for four years for the Pat McAfee show. Do you listen to it? Only when we play clips of Aaron Rodgers being on it. I, I will say, I see a lot of Pat McAfee show, like, on Twitter. Yes. Like, they yes. tweet out a lot of, like, here's yeah. 90 seconds. And, yeah, if it's something interesting. But right. I, 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 I'll I say this. I don't know how much he was getting paid before, because I think FanDuel's his sponsor before already. They're extending this deal with him. How much did Aaron Rodgers make Pat McAfee? Oh, because they've had Fortune. that sort of exclusive yeah. Aaron Rodgers yeah. interview for basically this entire season. Yes. And Aaron Rodgers has been, what, the most interesting NFL yes. player this year between was he going to play for him and then COVID and immunization and all that. And toes. Aaron Rodgers, I think, made Pat McAfee a whole lot of yeah. money here. 